to Maranatha Christian Assembly Podcast, where we bring you the Word of God wherever you are. We pray that you be blessed by God's Word this week. Thanks for having me here again this morning. Uh, today we're going to we're not going to talk about suffering again because if not, right, sooner or later I'll be known as the suffering pastor. Right? Every time we come, we will talk about suffering. Right? And today, today we're going to talk about something a bit uh, maybe more uh, directly relevant to most of us. Okay, let me see whether it's it. Okay, right. Today we're talking about being ambushed. Okay, being ambushed. Something right. In, uh, how many of you right have this kind of experiences in life? That very very often, many things we go through in life, it comes suddenly, right? Sometimes it is a phone call, sometimes it is a a report, a medical report. Sometimes it is just maybe your children coming to you and telling you something. A lot of times, many of these things that catch us off guard comes very suddenly. Right? I'm very sure we remember COVID caught many of us suddenly. Uh, I think I told you all many before, I, I, I mentioned it many, many times that uh, when I first heard about the news, it's just news on the newspaper, on the, on the television, right? When we first heard about the news concerning COVID, I was in Malaysia, I still remember it was Chinese New Year. So I, we were looking at the news and then they were talking about this, what's happening in Wuhan and then we are here in Malaysia having Chinese New Year dinner and I was telling my mother-in-law, when we will visit next, the next month. Like we say, oh, Ma, in March, we will come back at this time. And then since then, right, we never came back until about two years later. So it's like, wow. <laughs> okay, so I'm very sure many of you felt the same way, right? You had plans. How many of you have plans for the year already, like travel plans? And then you are, I, I know many of you, like re- recent years, right, have been traveling to places you didn't want to go. Because you have bought tickets during COVID and no choice, you have to use it before they expire. Like, oh, no choice, you have to use by this time. And then everybody, no choice, have to go to travel. Like, oh, no choice, I have to, I have to travel to use it up and not waste your ticket kind of thing. And the, and the same thing happens. Many things in our life, especially things that is often not pleasant, sometimes pleasant, sometimes not pleasant, but many of these events come very suddenly and very unpredictably. Right? You never see uh, like people coming to you, give you advance notice right? when things happen. It often feels like when these things happen, it often feels that we are being ambushed. Right? It's suddenly and then we are under and then we are caught off guard and we are like wondering what to do. And that's the feeling that many of us feel. We feel very ambushed during times like this. The question is, right, when we are being ambushed in life, we feel very ambushed, we feel trapped, we feel that it's like we are not sure what to do and the attack, right? Just what happened recently, remember, I think many of you would know, the Israel ha- uh, event happened in Israel. The sense of being ambushed and you're being caught off guard and all, everybody is scrambling to know how then do we respond? Right? How then do we respond? So in the same way, can you imagine, right, this is our life. Something happened and then you are caught off guard and you're wondering what to do and how to respond. Right? How do you respond when you face an ambush in life? Today, we're going to look at a passage from Ephesians. Right, the letter of Ephesians, uh, and this is the letter that we're going to look at, and we're going to look at the last part, a passage that many of us might be familiar with. Uh, usually, we talk about the armor of God. Right? Today, we're not going to talk about the armor of God. 
Okay, so it's a passage, but we're not going to talk about the armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 to verse 17. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 to verse 17. Let me quickly just read the passage to you, and then later we'll talk about something and, and try to learn from the passage what do we do then when we are faced with an ambush. It is what it says. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 to 17. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil come, when there is something happening, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Let us pray together. Father, we want to thank you this morning as we come into your presence. Lord, many of us might be going through some things. Sometimes as we go through some of those things, many of those things that we are going through today often feel like an ambush of the enemy. Lord, help us and give us your word to help us to understand how can we respond when we are being ambushed? What can we do, Lord, when we are trapped? And Lord, today we want to commit our life and our situations into your hands. May your word continue to illuminate and to enlighten us. Lord, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What is this situation actually? So many of times, right, when we see this passage, we often have this image, I'm sure. Like how many of you have this image? Like you have rows and rows of soldiers. Uh, how many of you, you, I look at your age, you all should, be, should have watched a movie. How many of you have watched Lord of the Rings? Right, like that, that one whole, one group of people, the, the good guys on one side, the bad guys on the other side, and then face off. You look at me, I look at you, and then usually still have enough time for both sides to make a speech. And then the king will make a speech, the other side will make a speech, and then wait, wait, wait. And then just nice, don't know why, for all movies, right, the speeches on both sides will end at the same time, and then I look at you, you look at me, you charge, I charge, and wow, and then let's whack. Right? And usually that's what you see in all movies. Like, do you realize Avengers Endgame, same thing? Right? One row here, one row there, I look at you, you look at me, and then charge, charge. And then at the end, let's see how many have you how many you have left, how many I have left. Right? So this is very often what we think when we think about Romans chapter 6, right? You have a situation where soldiers are one side, soldiers are on the other side. Actually, it is unlikely to be this situation. It's very unlikely for a very simple reason. How many of you, right, will be in the battlefield facing the enemy and still have not put on your helmet? Isn't it very strange? You look at them, I look at you, I have everything on, I don't have a helmet, I'm taking my helmet. Like, why would anybody in their right mind be in the battlefield without your, like, like bulletproof vest today? Like, you so, oh, never mind lah. I put on my shoulder. I go there first. And then I see the enemy. My, my bulletproof vest, right, is still on my shoulder. Oh, coming already ah. Then I put on slowly. Or most of the time, right, by the time you're in the battlefield, you already have your helmet. Everything on already. So what's this situation? Why is there this situation where you are at the last line, right, being asked to take the helmet and put on the helmet? Right? And very likely, what the situation is referring to is something like this. It's actually in a march. It's actually not in a battlefield. We are not formed up. Right? This, is, this is very normal. This is because in the ancient today, right? today we fight a battle, we have buses. 
right? We have buses, we have trucks, we have airlift, we have aeroplane, we can transport soldiers from one end to the other end. That's what Israel been doing. Like they just send people, just the, the, the truck just go back and forth, back and forth, and we can send troops to the battlefield, to the front line. In the ancient world, like bad soldiers don't just magically appear at the front line. What must they do? They must march. Right? Some of us who are in the army, that's the background behind your full battle order. Right? Why do you have a long march? Right? The whole idea, you must be able to put everything on your shoulder and march for long distances and then appear at the battlefield. If you don't have the stamina to carry so many things and to go to the battlefield, no matter how good a fighter you are, you are useless in battle. Because there's no way for me to transport you to the battlefield. You have to march. Right? So they have to take a lot of load and they have to travel and they have to take all the armor. So the whole idea is, right, whenever I know, how, how do people know and to send soldiers in the battlefield? Very often, right, I would have scouts, right, people in the front line looking at the enemy soldiers. So when I start seeing enemy soldiers coming towards me, what do I know? Oh, they are sending armies. Then what do I do? I will go back to my city tell my governor or tell my city or tell my king, oh, they are sending soldiers. Then what do we do? Do we just put our soldiers in the city and just defend? Why is it that we don't want to defend our city? Why do we want to fight as far as possible away from the city? Why? Why do we want to send soldiers march all the way in the middle and then fight somewhere in the middle? Why not let them come to us? Because if they come to us, they're going to lay siege. Anything that they do, they're going to destroy our city, right? And this is our last line of defense. You don't want to fight near your city. You want to fight as far away as possible. Even if you lose, you can fight a few more times, right? To defend and defend and defend. And then your city is the last effort, last defense already. You don't want to fight at your city. You want to fight as far as possible. So usually, once I know, I will get my soldiers rally up and then I will send them out of the city and then they will start marching and they start marching towards the battlefield, their idea is that we already know roughly we're going to meet them somewhere around this place. Open place, and then they will do the I face one line, you face one line, and then let's do it kind of thing. Right? So that was the plan, right? I roughly know we're going to travel, travel, we're going to take a, a few detours, wait here, wait there, but we will roughly meet them somewhere at this place to fight the battle. They're going to leave the city. And this is the reason why every time you see a situation like that, there is... They're supposed, later we'll talk about that, they're supposed to put on everything, but usually in a march, there's two things you don't need to put on. For obvious reason, you don't need to take your sword. Right? Because, hey, David, yes. Okay, you don't want to kill or injure people, right? So your sword, you must put it in. Okay, sword, no problem. Everybody understand. Don't draw your sword. Just put it in. Okay, don't, don't draw your sword. But why helmet? Why don't you need to put on your helmet when you're marching? Because it is very hot. This is pure metal. Can you imagine you have a metal pot on your head and you walk in the middle of the sun? What will happen? Cook Maggie noodle, right? For that reason, right, the helmet doesn't have to be worn. Everything has to be on. Helmet you, is optional. You want to put on, sure. You can take it, go ahead. But if you cannot take it, you can always take it off. Right? Helmet is not compulsory in a march. Right? Only... Usually only when they leave the city, all look good, they'll wet. But along the way, they'll take off. Because it's very hard to wear a pure hammer, pure metal helmet in the middle. So usually they were allowed not to wear their helmet, but they're supposed to bring everything. There's also one detail that you can see, right, that can tell you this is not in the battlefield. 
there is one weapon that the Romans are very famous for, but it's not mentioned. It's their javelin. Right? It's their javelin. It's not mentioned. If you're forming up, I form, you form, right? Instead of you shooting an arrow at me, I would have thrown my javelin at you already. And yet, it is not mentioned. So for some reason, whatever it is, right, it was a situation where they didn't have time to throw their javelin. So what actually was a situation is more likely that they were being ambushed while they were marching. And this is a situation. Can you imagine where, where, are, the, where are the javelins? When they are marching along, what are the javelins? The javelins are used to carry barang-barang. That's the reason why when you're in an ambush and you're carrying a lot of barang, your javelin are used to like carry pole, like tang san zhang kind of idea. You carry a pole and carry things. In that kind of situation, when you're in an ambush, you can't bring your javelin out. So all you have is all your other things except your javelin. All this goes to show the background of this whole entire story is not marching, facing each other in the battlefield. It was getting ambushed while the soldiers were marching towards the battlefield. So what did Paul tell them? This is like, and the Bible, can you imagine when Paul describes, this? everybody know this passage as the idea behind spiritual warfare. What did Paul advise them when describing spiritual warfare? And he describes spiritual warfare like an ambush. You are being ambushed and then how then should you respond in a situation like this when you are being ambushed? Because half the time that you're fighting, yes, you have people, you have flesh and blood, but half the, more than half the battle you're fighting is an invisible war that you're in. You belong to one side, the king, under King Jesus, and there's another army on the other side, and you just happen to be in that army, and naturally, you are the target of hostility. And because of that, while we are going through life, we often get ambushed in this spiritual war. So what should we do? What did Paul tell us? What did Paul inform us that, okay, how then do you respond when you're in this kind of situation? The very first thing that Paul actually told the people, the, the people who wrote the letter of Ephesians to tell the church, the first thing you need to do is to always stay on high alert. If you all know what happened in Israel, right, the number one thing that was being talked about right in the beginning when the whole thing first started was why didn't the intelligence picked up. Why didn't they know in advance? And they were questioning, is it because they were on, not on high alert? They didn't notice something happening like this. So the question, the first thing Paul tell the Ephesians, tell the, 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 the Christian at that time, is that you need to always remain on high alert. The emphasis is to always therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil come, that means when there are something that happens, when there's an event that happens, when there's an ambush, you may be able to stand. Why? Because can you imagine, right, when I leave the whole city, and I can imagine, I tell you, right, the battlefield is four, five hundred kilometers away, and you're carrying this whole armor on you, right? Sooner or later, what is your thinking? Like, yeah, so far away. Where got enemy? I wear so many armor for what? Right? There's no enemy, so I don't have to wear. I don't have to wear. And you start to get careless in your spiritual life. And you start to get careless because you feel that you are doing well. How many of you know, right? Doing well, doing not well. When are you most in danger? When you're doing well, you tend to get careless when you're doing well in life. When things are going fine, you tend to get careless. When things happen, you tend to become high alert. Now, Israel is on high alert. 
because something happened. But when nothing happened, our tendency is to let our guard down. So that was the idea. When you read the passage before this, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to verse 12, you will notice that the emphasis on put on the armor, put on the armor. Why the reason? Because you're not fighting against flesh and blood. You are fighting an enemy that you cannot see. This is like ambush. How many of you ever, like, you know the ambush is coming? Once you know the ambush is coming, it's not an ambush. Precisely, it's an ambush because you go through not knowing that it will happen. Right? You're not, you're not, you're not knowing it will happen, therefore you let your guard down. That's why the ambush succeeded. That's why the first instruction that Paul gave to the people, to the Christian then, is to make sure at any point in time, you put on how much of your armor? The full armor. You're always on high alert. You always know that ambush can come anytime. Because you're assured that the army, the ambush can come anytime, you are supposed to put on the full armor of God so that when in the event that an ambush actually come, the Bible says, right, what do you need to do? All you need to do is stand firm. That was the idea. The idea is that if you have prepared and you have put on the armor along the way, if you have always had the armor on, when things happen, all you needed to do is to stand firm. And it says when that event happened, all you need to do is to stand firm and all the while you already have your belt buckled. You have truth already buckled. You have acquired truth and understanding. You have the breastplate of righteousness already. You have the readiness of the gospel already. You have the shield of faith already. And once you already have all those things, all you need to do when things happen is just to stand firm. Right? This is what it feels right, right? Sometimes when things happen in our life and then we gabra. How many of you have this kind of situation, right, where certain events in your life happen and then you're suddenly very anxious for Bible study? Right? Oh, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Like, oh, how, how, what about this? What does the Bible say about this? Right? And then, right, the thing is, before those things happen, right, you have a lot of time and then usually when like, oh, let's say, a uh, pastor of you will say, oh, let's have a Bible class. And then you'll say, ah, yeah, I still got time. La. I still got time to learn about truth. Right? And then when event happen, you suddenly regret, why didn't I know this earlier? Isn't it always the same case? Right? When the evil, the events happen, we think that we don't need it. Then when the event happen, we regret, why didn't we get it earlier? This is the same thing as learning CPR. Right? When do you learn CPR? When you are in a crisis or be way before because you know that this crisis might one day happen. When do you start to go to training, learn how to do CPR, learn how to save? You do it because in times we doubt a crisis. So that when the crisis comes, you eventually know what to do. So in the same way, this is what Paul was telling them. You need to stay on high alert and to keep your whole armor on. The moment you leave the city and you're marching along life, going towards that final battlefield, it is our responsibility to make sure we keep the whole armor armor on so that at the end of the day when ambush comes all we need to do is to stand firm all we need to do is to stand firm and this is the classic right can you imagine a crisis come for example covid covid happens and if we did not have truth righteousness the gospel readiness of peace and our faith already ready then when things, crisis happen, we will be gabra trying to, okay, well, I, I don't have faith, I don't have enough faith, I don't know what to do, I, didn't, I don't already believe in God, I have no confidence, I'm trying to talk about righteousness, I'm trying to think about truth, I'm trying to think about what is God talking about doing all this, and then you scramble, 
And once you're scrambling, you can't stand firm. You can't stand firm. And this is what Paul told the believers. Something for us to remember. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 to verse 9. He says the same thing. Be alert and be of sober mind. Right? Alert basically means in Chinese, uh, 眼睛开大大. <laughs> Very simple, right? Basically, be alert means you open your eyes big and see and be aware of what is happening. Be of sober mind. Sober, the opposite usually is drunkenness. Right? You are not asleep, alert, sober. You are not asleep, you are not drunk. You are not like unaware of whatever is happening. You are clearly knowing what is happening. Your mind is sober. You clearly understand. And the thing that First Peter asks us to understand and remember, it be alert. It says the enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Now you can imagine the image. You combine the two images, right? You have a one whole row of soldiers. Like the army of Jesus, we are going through life, we are going towards the end of our life, we are going towards the end time kind of thing, and then we, have, we are all working together. Right? If you are Satan, okay, let's, let's imagine, let's play devil's advocate. We are all Satan, and then you have one whole big army of God's people marching together. Will you do a frontal attack and then try to attack the whole thing at one time? Or if you are me, you will be like me, right? You will think, never mind, let's go behind. And let's see how many people we can slowly remove along the way. I'm not going to fight the enemy right in front and then everybody form one line. I'm going to go behind and going to do ambush, right? I'm going to slowly remove one at a time, one at a time, one at a time, one at a time, and then slowly get people to leave, for example. Right? And then ask yourself this situation. If there is a lion looking around to devour people, right? make a guess, right? What kind of people... Satan will target. Two options. One, people who already have their armor on and on high alert. They are ready to respond. Or people who are slackened and then they are going through like, ah, yeah, don't worry, la, no lion one, la, no lion one. If you are a lion, right, who and what kind of people will you target? The people who are alert or the people who are careless? Careless. Isn't it? really what's happening in many of our churches some, most of the time, that the people who fall away tends to be people who are already careless with their spiritual life, thinking that the battle is still far away, thinking that this thing is still long time. Right? So Paul and Peter remind us that we have an enemy that is prowling, that's attacking, that's trying to ambush the church. And therefore, it is important for the church to always remain high alert. What is always regrettable is that as Christians, sometimes as we go through life, we start to take things too lightly. We try to think, yeah, don't worry, la, won't happen. One, uh. Then we start, to, we start to overclaim. Right? Okay, rule, thing number one. Does Jesus' blood really protect us? Really protect us? Yes. But we overclaim and say somehow, right, wow, you're under Jesus' blood, it will protect you against everything. Like, there will be nothing that goes against you. Wow, your life will be always nice. You get overly careless and then you start to take things lightly. And then a lot of time when things happen, we, we start to depend on last-minute preparations. We acquire truth only at that very moment when we need that truth. Rather than you acquire truth, you acquire and you put on the whole armour of God along the way so that when the event, when you really need it, all you need to do is to stand firm. So the first thing Paul reminds the Christians in Ephesus 
the whole Christians there, when he was writing, actually he was writing to the Asian minor Christians, when he wrote to them, they remind them, as a Christian, you must remember, right? Just because there's no fighting. This is, what, this is the lesson of Israel, right? Just because there's no fighting doesn't mean there's no war. Does it make sense to you? Just because there is no physical fighting doesn't mean there's no war. War is where there is hostility. I treat you as an enemy, you treat me as an enemy. That is war. Whether we fight or we don't fight physically, there is still war. Right? The actual fighting is the battles. Spiritual warfare is not about you going through negative things. Spiritual warfare is the fact that you belong to a camp that has hostility against the other camp. And therefore, naturally, the people on one camp will be the target of the people on the other camp. That is spiritual warfare. So knowing that that will come anytime, you need to take ownership and you must always remain high alert. Maybe for many of us, the question we have to ask ourselves is this. Are we taking ownership over our spiritual life? Are we taking ownership over our spiritual life? Are we trying to be active? Are we trying to make sure that we are amassing and understanding the Word of God? Are we trying to be confident with our righteousness that comes from God? Are we trying right, to be motivated by the readiness of the God? Are we, along the way, are we already putting on the armour? Do we put an effort in times of peace to put on the armour? Sometimes, right, we like to think of this, like we, we all know that Singapore is a very unique situation. Right? Singapore, among the rest of Asia, the rest of Asia is highly persecuted Christians. Right? They, we are the out of 10, right, our top 10 persecuted nation, at least 8 is in Asia. We are in a very unique situation. We don't face that a lot. Right? We are not saying don't have, but not a lot compared to our neighbours all around us. And sometimes, right, we take it for granted. Sometimes we hear people say, wow, Singapore is very blessed by God. Singapore is very blessed by God. Right? It is not necessarily wrong. But the question now is this. Why do you think God blessed us with this sense of security and peace at this lifetime? Do you think that this peace and this security will last forever? Right? Do you take it for granted that God gave us a window of peace? Or do we think that, oh, this peace will last forever since we are not going through any battles so therefore, we will never have to go through battles. And then what will happen to believers? You will start to get careless. You start to get careless. But what if, what if we think of it another way? Maybe God is giving us a season of peace and protection so that we can be better equipped. So can you imagine God give you a season where it's easier for you to come Bible school, Bible classes, or not Bible school, come Bible classes, more easier for you to learn to develop your faith, learn to trust God, so that when in the event that it actually is needed, all the people of God in Singapore will be ready. Then can you imagine God deliberately gave us a season of peace and then we spend the peace away thinking, ah yeah, it won't happen one, now. let's live our life and enjoy ourselves and then if things happen, then we worry about it later then we would have wasted the entire season of peace. What if God wants us to take this and use this time to prepare ourselves better? What if it's the reverse? And we, I think we, a lot of us will know this. It's a, like not, not really... Uh, of course, recent years, we are growing back. But when COVID first happened, right, on average, right, on average, most churches dropped 30 to 40%. 
And this, we always say, right, this is not even persecution. It is not even persecution. And we already suffer casualties. Maybe it is because many times, during times of peace, we don't take personal ownership and say, hey, I need to make sure I stay on high alert. I need to make sure I put on my whole armour. So that when events do happen, which they will, I'm ready to just stand firm. Right? The first thing, Paul tells the Christians, take personal ownership of your life or spiritual life and make sure all you need to do when things happen is to stand firm. And second, second, Paul tells the believers that the things you need to do is to stand firm, not, not stand firm, it's actually stand firm together. It's stand firm together. Right? And, and this is very hard to see in the verse because in English, right, our verbs doesn't tell you singular, plural. You is you, right? One you is you, many you is still you. It's not like Chinese. Chinese, your ta and ta men, right? Very clear. But in, Chi- in English, right, you have a problem because you is just you. You can't tell singular or plural. The whole entire passage is plural. You all. Stand firm. And this is important because the verse, the, the, the verb that you see, right, stand firm, is actually a military term. Stand firm actually refers to what you commonly see, right? You know the, the turtle formation? Wow, everybody take the shield and then everybody will shout, stand firm, stand firm. They have a name for the formation, but the command to stand firm is to hold your ground, hold your ground, hold your ground, kind of thing. That statement is not mentioned to individuals. It's always mentioned to a group. The whole idea of how it works, right? Very simply, right? When you stand firm together, well, it is necessary for individual to stand firm, right? The Roman people, when they are fighting, they all know. Can you imagine, right? I got like, you, you, you must imagine end games. Lah. You have a whole army coming and then all you have on the other side is, you got to watch movie. Then on the other side is who? A whole army of Thanos and then on the other side, one person. Who is that person? Captain America, and then he still believes, I can do this all day. Can you imagine what good does it do, right, for one person to stand firm against an army? What good does it do? Right, you, he can imagine, uh, I will do this. I will, yeah, la, one person, one person fight, okay, you can stand firm. Can you imagine thousands coming, rushing at you, and you one person stand there, stand firm, stand firm, stand firm. All the while, the instruction to stand firm was never intended to be one person. The Roman soldiers, right, never believe in heroes. They don't want heroes. They want unity. So the statement of stand firm, the point is about everybody holding their ground together because if one person grow, uh, the whole Roman soldier think like that one. I got one group of people, eight person. Right? Eight person. If you fail your mission, I'm not so cruel, I won't kill everybody. I will kill half. And then I'm not going to say, who's at fault, who's at fault, who's at fault. Okay, four percent at fault, I kill this one. No, I draw lots. Can you imagine, uh, you doze off on your mission and then the mission fail. And then you don't die. Like. We draw lots, your friend die. They draw lots, die half, kill half of them. The rest of the surviving half, they will put you together with other groups. And then right, you will leave with the guilt that, wow, I caused my friend to die. And that's the way they train the Roman soldiers. I don't need heroes, we either live together or we die together. So that was the idea. So in the Roman soldiers, stand firm means that we stand firm 
together. We have the formation together. Because if I relax and I let an army come in, right, the whole entire group die together. It is not just about me, it's about everybody with me. So the Roman soldiers always remember that we are in this together. You either do it together, you live together, or you die together. That was the Roman soldiers' concept. Right? So when they have this formation, some of y'all saw this formation in nowadays, right? In almost every other movie, you will see this formation. It's very weird because this is like Romans famous for this. If for those of us who have watched Chinese shows, Cipi uh, now also do this. It's like, wow, now, now this formation is everywhere. It's become global already. It's a global thing. But in the past, it's only them, right? Okay, so they hold a shield and things like that. And last time when they do the shield, right? The people actually behind are not doing nothing. The people in front holding the shield, the people behind hold their belt and then push. So everybody is working together to hold the enemy, the whole ground. It's not like, hey, come on now, you can do it, you can do it. It's actually everybody helping to push back. And they hold the belt for a very simple reason. If someone ever get hurt or you need to switch the layer, what do you do? You pull the person behind so that you take over the role. They work together because they obviously they always understand if one person don't stand firm, everybody die together. So stand firm, the instruction to stand firm, right, is usually not used in the context of individual. It's used in the context of community, that we stand firm together. And this is the reason why Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 to 25. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds. And then he says, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing so. Right? So can you imagine, right, in our culture, most of the time, when you are not doing well, like something happened, do you all the more want to go to cell group or all the more want to find excuse not to go? Okay? I'm not saying yes or no, I'm just saying the answer to that question will show that whether your life group, your cell group is doing well. Right? If you have a situation where I don't mind going if I'm having a good day, like, oh, I'll go there, ha, ha. but then if I'm having a very terrible time, if I'm having a time where my wife or my children, I'm very down, I don't want to smile that day, and then, then you start thinking, oh, what excuse can I give so that I don't have to go life group? If you are thinking that way, right? So that means, right, if you're thinking that way, right, I have problem, I don't want to go. I have no problem, I want to go. That becomes a social gathering. Right? It's actually the reverse in the Bible say. It says you should not give up meeting one another all the more as you see the day approaching. That means when the life gets tougher, when it's more difficult, should you all the more want to come or should you all the more don't want to come? When your life is difficult, you should all the more want to come. Because I want to be in an environment where there are people who can spur me. Spur is, a, is you know, the, the thing right behind and then you kick the, kick the, kick the, 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 the horse to... to uh. Basically, it's not just encourage. It's stronger than encourage. It's that we, are, we need an environment that sometimes you need people speaking truth into your life so that you do something you already know you should do. You already know, but then you are just like, I has a turn, maybe, I am not sure. And sometimes all you need is someone to spur you. And then you are able to move on. We all know the situation, right? We all know the situation that we know what we need to do. We need people to spur. We need people to encourage. We need people to spur us into doing what we already know we should do. 
And all the more when life is tough, do you realize all the more we often need that kind of spurring? We need people to speak into our life, especially when we are doing down. It's not the reverse. We're not saying uh, when you're having a good time, don't come to church. Uh. It's not the reverse. We are saying, especially when you're going through something, all the more you should think, I want to be here because we are meeting with people of the Spirit. We are meeting with people of God. They will be able to encourage me. They will be able to spur me to do what I know is right. I need strength. I don't know what to do. I feel weak. I need people to spur me, to give me the steel to do what I already know. That's why I purposely come. That's why Hebrews, in encouraging people to meet together, never say, oh, you meet together just to fulfill an agenda, a, a criteria. It's like taking attendance in, like, oh, church attendance, take attendance, see how many times you come to church. We come simply because you know when life gets tough, all the more our tendency is to compromise. Right? When life is difficult, think like COVID situation. Is it a lot easier to compromise during COVID season than now? When it's doing better? When life is difficult, when life is easy, it's extremely easy to be generous. But when life is tough, it's very difficult to be generous. You need people to spur one another. And that's why the Bible says, don't give up meeting one another because you will only be able to stand firm if we stand firm together. So the Christian faith has never been a silo, like commando, hero, one person, I can do it all day kind of situation. The Christian church has always been, let's live together. Let's win together. Let's march together. Right? And that's why Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 says, whatever happens, whatever goes on, make sure you conduct yourself in a way that's worthy of the gospel of Christ. You live in such a way in order to bring glory to the gospel. You have received the benefit just now our worship leader let us through the song to remember what the gospel meant to each and every one of us but the gospel the bible say paul himself say but the gospel is not without effects in each of us therefore live your life in such a way worthy of the gospel then whether i come or see you or only hear about you in my absence i will know that you stand firm in one spirit this stand firm obviously together you stand firm together in unity, in one spirit, striving together, working together as one church for the faith of the gospel. Right? We come together not as individuals trying to get something from God, like I come together just to feel the blessing, okay, then I leave. No, we come together so that we can stand firm as one church, then we work together as one church for what? So that the gospel can be advanced so that more people can encounter the saving grace of Jesus Christ. We stand firm together, we work together, we strive together. Strive is a very strong word. It's like you labor to the point of, wow, and we strive together so that for the sake of the gospel, but we do it together. We stand firm together. So the first danger, as we see just now, the first danger just now was that we think that we can depend on last-minute preparation. In the midst of an ambush, it doesn't work, right? In a battle, you can do last-minute battle, last-minute preparation. In a planned battle, you can do last-minute preparation. In an ambush, you will never be able to make last-minute preparation. And we are going through ambushes all the time. So it is regrettable if you depend on last-minute 
preparation, to go through spiritual journeys. Second, the danger is that when we try to fight alone, when things happen in our life and we start to think that it's okay, it's my problem, I don't want to bother someone. Right? How many of you are at Chinese, right? This, I recently read this, uh, John Stott wrote something. He wrote about how sometimes in our culture, right, when people are growing old, older, they have this thinking that, no, I don't want to be a burden to other people. And then he made a very insightful remark. He says the whole entire Christian faith is about being a burden to one another. The whole entire Christian faith is not a, a faith about heroes. It's not about, wow, we are all messiahs, we are all heroes, then, or you need me, you need me, you need me. I don't need you, you just need me. No, the whole entire faith is about all fallen people needing one another. The whole faith is built around the idea that there's only one saviour and a lot of fallen individuals and that we all go through life depending and carrying each other's burden. So don't ever allow yourself to be, to be, to be lied to the de- by the devil and say, oh, this is your own burden, you should just carry yourself, don't tell people because this is your problem, you should just silently deal with it. Sometimes we think like that and maybe sometimes it's ego, right? We ego and we go through things and we feel that, no, I don't want to share with some people. I just want to try to do it alone. The Christian faith is never faith that you do alone, right? You cannot go that, I just depend on God. And sometimes we like to think like that. I just depend on God. I don't, I don't need people, I just depend on God. You look at the whole entire book of Acts. Whenever somebody needs help, did God supply? Yes, but God supplied through the church. God supplied through the church. When everybody was against Paul when he first converted, nobody wanted to accept him. What did God do? God sent Barnabas. There was always people that God sent so that we can lean and take the burden, we can walk through and we share the burden. Sometimes you take mine, sometimes I take yours. That is the design of the faith. The faith is designed that way. There are moments that you are strong and there are moments that I am strong. Then, when you are weak, I help in your burden. When, you are, when I'm strong, I help with your burden. That is the way it was supposed to work. And then sometimes, because of different reasons, we try to think that we can do at it alone. And then in the middle of the night, you're going through things and you're just thinking thoughts and you just don't want to get someone into your life to help. Sometimes we just need to learn humility. I need someone to walk with me. It can be a pastor, it can be a cell member, it can be a cell leader, it could be someone in your life, but I just need someone to walk together. We are standing firm together. Right? Don't ever have this thought to say, uh, oh, I'm not the leader, whether I come, I don't come, it's okay. No, time we like to think like that. It's like when we organize event, we say that, oh, you, you must come, you must come, but I don't come, it's okay, because I'm just a fringe member. Right? We start to think that way, easily will fall away. We are all in this together. In the kingdom of God, 99 sheep, okay, one sheep stray away. What did Jesus ask us to do? Bring that back. There's no such thing as a stray member, a marginal member. Right? We either win together or we lose together. We stand firm together. Right? So a lot of time we need to support one another so that we can stand firm together. Second thing. And the last one. So remember, ambush. You're marching halfway in your life, suddenly you see arrows. Shoo, 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 shoo. What do you do? What's the first thing you do? Now you know already. Now you see the arrow firing. What do you do? Immediately, immediately put on armor. 
or immediately stand firm because you already have your armor on. All you need to do, raise your shield, block the arrow first, and then immediately get into formation so that we can stay together. Right? And then after that, you fight. That's the reason why there's no javelin. Right? You only take a sword and because it's a way of defending against ambush, you're not fighting against, you are defending against the ambush. So what you do, you are supposed to fight the enemy, but you are fighting with full assurance. The last two armor that you're supposed to take is just the helmet of salvation and then the sword of the spirit. Right? After you get the wave of all the things happening, you start to get orientated, you stand firm, now everybody is together. Now we are all running through and we are walking through COVID together. Then all you need to do now is helmet of salvation. Being assured that no matter what happens, whether you win, you lose, you leave, you die, my salvation, no change. It's a very strong assurance. The early church was willing to be martyred because of this. It doesn't affect my salvation one bit, no matter what happens. It doesn't affect, I have assurance of my salvation. I'm sure of my salvation. So therefore, I can go through many things. If it turns out well, fine. If it doesn't, so be it. I'm still going to be saved anyway. I have the assurance of my salvation and all I need to do to engage is to take the sword, which is the word of God, and to dismantle the lies of the enemy. That's all I needed to do in that battle. In the midst of a battle, if half the time you're still being worried about something, do you realize very often you can't go on fearlessly? You can't go on and make decisions and do the things you know is right if you're still worried about many things. What would this happen? What, what, what if this? What about this? If God called me, then this thing how? Then that thing how? The moment you are not fully assured you will not be able to fight fearlessly. So the soldiers are required, and that's, by the way, that is trivial. That's the reason why, right, to leave the battlefield in the middle of a battle, uh, immediate death. Okay? They have a little weapon, the commander. If somebody run away, don't need to ask questions. Okay? Don't kill ready. Oh, I'm just going to the toilet. Too bad. <laughs> you are not supposed to leave the battlefield no, under no circumstances. So you leave, it will demoralize everybody. So they don't allow anybody to leave. If you start having fear in your mind, you start having anxiety in your mind as you're fighting, it is very difficult to move forward. So the emphasis is your head is a helmet, right? Your thinking, your thoughts, your assurance should be guarded by the assurance of salvation. Everything in your mind, number one thing is that I am saved. I'm a wretched man and I am saved. That is all that I need to remember. Everything else even I win, I lose, it makes no difference. I am going to be safe. Right? I am going to be safe. Romans chapter 8, verse 38 to 39. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor present, nor future, nor any powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. That no matter what you go through, nothing will be able to affect your salvation in Christ. That's how secure your salvation in Christ is. And because of that, you can go through many things and you are not worried. You are assured that God is in control. So the last thing, what is critical, is that in the midst of all your fighting and your battles, we do not lose our bearings, we do not get anxious because we anchor ourselves firmly in our salvation and we anchor ourselves firmly in God's Word. 
So when we are trying to fight in an ambush, okay, today we are talking about ambush. Think back, think back on the last time that life caught you off guard. As we mentioned in the, in the start of this message, right? it could be a medical report. It could be a phone call from someone. It could be your bosses. It could be a, a, a situation in your family. It could be COVID. When was the last time life caught you off guard? Something massive. And then you felt like an ambush. And then ask yourself, how did you respond? How did we actually respond to ambushes? Paul reminds the Christians, right? The only way for us to respond correctly, courageously, right? One, we stand, stay on our guard. We stay on high alert because we know ambush can come anytime. Our armors are already there. When things happen, we stand firm, not alone, but we stand firm together, right? When things happen in your life, don't just go. You call people around you, right? You call people around you. You stand firm together and then as you're going through, you go through with full assurance, full confidence in your salvation, full confidence in the Word of God. And then you engage. And then we are better able to weather through ambushes in our life. So as we wrap up this morning, this is John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. Right? John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. As we are going through, right, sometimes life has a way of making us feel that we are ambushed and we are unoverwhelmed. Throughout it all, always remember this is what John tells the Christians, actually in Ephesus, <laughs> same place, okay, in Ephesus. My, you, my dear children, are from God and you have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The Bible promises us that we have resources much more than what the enemy has. We have resources that's more than fully able to help you to weather through all those ambushes, provided you don't fall away, provided you are not careless. And today as we end, I believe the Lord would like to speak perhaps to a few groups of people. I think the first group of people that I believe the Lord wants to speak to is that as we are talking about ambushes and being on high alert, the reality is that maybe there are times in your life that you have become careless in your spiritual walk. You have become careless. You have lost maybe sometimes, right, the previous fervency, maybe in your reading of the Bible, maybe in your pursuing of spiritual disciplines, maybe in trying to get into communities and to share life and build that trusted relationship in communities. Maybe it's to develop your response of faith, learning to trust God. Maybe along the way, life got quite comfortable. And the reality is that as life becomes comfortable, you started to become careless in your spiritual life. And you're thinking, right, nothing, nothing wrong. I see, I've been doing this for the last 10, 3, 4 years. It's fine. I'm still here. I'm still in church. Right? I'm still here in this morning. And perhaps God has been speaking to you that maybe sometimes God has been speaking to you that you have perhaps taken the grace of God for granted. That it is God's grace to you that you are given, maybe for you personally, a season of peace. 
Maybe God has given you a season of peace so that in this season, you can put on your armour properly. But because we don't see an enemy, we take it for granted and we became careless. And the Lord today wants to speak to you and to encourage you. The period of peace will not last forever. Put on your full armour so that when the day of evil comes, future, you will be able to stand. You will be able to stand. And maybe the second group of people is that you have been alone in your spiritual life. Maybe you're in a cell group physically. <laughs> maybe you're in a cell group physically. But you know that emotionally and spiritually, you are not really together. You just bring yourself to participate. But many of them actually, even the closer one that you claim, many of them may not even understand what you're going through. They may not even know what you're going through because the truth of the matter, maybe you're a leader, maybe you're one of the more mature, maybe for some reason you felt that you did not feel comfortable sharing with them. And therefore, we are physically together, but when you're going through something, it always felt like you're doing through alone. And maybe the Lord is encouraging you. The faith is never meant to be alone. We are supposed to stand firm together. Let us pray. Father, today as we come before you, Lord, we are your church. You have gathered us here by your abundant grace. We all came individually because we have responded to your grace. But Lord, you have put us together in this family so that, Lord, we are able to walk through these spiritual journeys, the highs and the lows together, so that we learn how to take each other's burden, so that we learn how to love one another, to bear with one another, to forgive one another. And Father, today, as one church, we come together. Lord, for those of us, Father Lord, that we have struggled to remain careful, alert in our spiritual life. Lord, we pray whichever area that you are speaking to us, your spirit is speaking to us right now. Father, help us, allow the spirit to work within us, to convict us of the areas that we need to prepare, of the areas that we need to be more alert, to put on the full armour of God in our life. And Father, for many of us who, some of us, Lord, who comes to you and we treasure the relationship that we have with you. But Lord, help us, Lord, to build that deep relationship with one another. Lord, so that we train and we learn ourselves, we teach ourselves to learn how to stand firm as one church, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And we pray, Father Lord, just as what you say, as just as what Paul told the Philippian church in Philippians 1.27, that one day, Father Lord, people around us, believers, friends outside the church will hear of how the church stand together, how the church strive together for the faith of the gospel. And Lord, we want to thank you for what you will do in our hearts, in our communities, and through the church. And Lord, we want to give you thanks as you do this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.